Robins at the Gate with Sky Sports and Five Lives Michelle Owen. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Get £20 in free bets when you join today and bet £10 on any sport. Always bet on red with Mansion Bet. New customers only. Minimum first bet of £10 at odds of evens or greater from a UK debit card. For £5 free bets valid for seven days. Full terms at mansionbet.com. 18 plus. Be gamble aware. Welcome along to Robins at the Gate, the penultimate episode of the season with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. A few things to talk about as we look to wrap up this season, but there's still plenty going on in the closed season as well. We'll talk about the appointment of Dave Rennie, which Gregor's been across. We'll talk about the Euro squads, which are slowly just coming out this week. We'll also be looking at some transfer rumours for Arjiju's comments. Uh, Jack Hunt's neighbours story, which I thought was great um, a few days ago now, if you missed that. And then we'll look ahead to the playoff final at the weekend. Um, so, Gregor, Euro squads have been coming out this week. There's a provisional squad for England, um, which made some interesting reading. But some Bristol City players are going to be involved with their countries as well. Yes, it's already been announced that Thomas Callas is in the Czech squad. So congratulations to him. I thought that Adam Nagy was in the Hungary squad, but I don't think they've fully confirmed their squad just yet. It might be it might be just a provisional one for them as well. But and also Sam Pearson has been called up for Wales under 21s. They're playing against Moldova as well. So yeah, congratulations to those guys and not too long till the Euros now, is it? No, it's uh, it's not exactly been a... Well, would you consider the Euros a continuation of this season rather than like a separate thing? How, how do you look at it? Yeah, I, I probably would. I, the thing for me is, at what point do you refer to last season as last season? I know. Or what are you it's talking weird. about? The season before? I always just think about, them as a separate sort of entity. But the players going to the Euros, you know, it's worth mentioning the mm. likes of Thomas Callis and perhaps Abinaj. You think we've, well, and because they, they have not been involved with playoffs or anything, that they will have had such a short close season. And if they, you know, get to, say, the second round or maybe even further in the Euros, they're going to have what, like two two weeks off maximum from playing it's insane it's mm. just like one big continuation especially after the COVID lockdown and things um, which means I guess more important than ever is Bristol City's medical department who have come in for so much criticism over the last season and, and, and I think rightly so with the way things have gone so not surprising to see Nigel Pearson has rung the changes. And um, one of those changes that was announced on Friday was Dave Rennie, be, Dave Rennie being appointed the head of medical performance. Um, he's been in football for a long, long time. If you haven't heard of him, uh, he's been in football for more than 20 years. He's led some pretty amazing medical teams. And the Nigel Pearson connection is they had two spells at Leicester City together. Uh, he was head physio for, for two decades and a big part of the backroom staff when they won the Premier League, Gregor. This is a big appointment. Yeah, it is. I think it's quite an impressive signing, really. And obviously, we always think of the off-season and transfers in terms of players. But actually, this is a, a good pickup, I think, for the backroom staff. Obviously, um, it's important to point out that Dave Rennie did leave Leicester actually at the end of last year, I think. So it's kind of worked out for Bristol City because he's obviously a free agent and and no compensation has to be paid. And yeah, I think he was head of physiotherapy at, at the Foxes and he, he comes in 
and his title is going to be the head of medical performance at Bristol City. And yeah, it doesn't take the brains of a bishop, as some people might say, to to work out that Bristol City have needed to improve in their medical and fitness department after, uh, as we've been reporting all season long, most likely the, the worst injury list in, in the whole of the EFL for me. Uh, it's a little bit difficult to quantify that and, and, and say that with accuracy, but I, I believe they must be very, very close with the number of injuries they had. Hopefully this is going to alleviate it because we certainly don't want to see anything similar next season. No, it's going to be really interesting and um, the article on the Bristol City website said he's worked at more than a thousand games from the Champions League to League One. So that's some serious um, serious experience across all levels. And and Nigel Pearson has said he needs time to to rebuild things. And I think maybe, like you said, we talk about the players, don't we? We talk about how important they are, but that could be absolutely massive in getting that right, hopefully, for next season. And we know it's not just the physio department. There's a lot more to it, including, you know, um, Nigel Pearson. I think he talked about like loading and the way they trade and all the things like that. So it's probably going to be quite... Uh, a different approach next season, one would imagine. That brings us on, though, to transfer rumours and the, the rumour mill is in, full swing, Gregor. A um, couple of rumours this week then. Um, tell me about Matty James, who's been at Coventry this season. And there's an Oxford United defender on the radar too. Yeah, it's you're right. It's all the startings are hot up. And we said a couple of week, weeks ago, it's a little bit too early for the rumours to start. But yeah, they're in full effects now. And um yeah, we've been reporting this morning that, that Bristol City are one of the clubs who would like to bring in Matty James. He's on a free transfer. It would be another Leicester City reunion if he does come into Ashton Gate. He has been on loan at two clubs this season. He was, at, um, I think it was Barnsley at the beginning of the season and then Coventry, obviously, since January. He's had a very good season and he's 29 years old, obviously, and he was at Leicester for, I believe, nine seasons altogether, but it was uh, interrupted injuries, by injury. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. He, he was a, a, a regular player when they were promoted from the, the Championship under Nigel Pearson all those years ago. So we, we think Nigel Pearson would particularly like him to add some leadership and steel in the middle there. But I would probably make Coventry possibly the favourites to get his signature because... He obviously was there from January. Mark Robbins spoke in the last transfer window that if things worked out, it could lead into something long-term. We, we know that the Sky Blues are interested in him as well. Whether City can can turn his head and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe get him up the high-performance centre, show around the ground and everything, which will, would be in their corner in terms of winning a move, then, then we'll have to see. And yeah, he's one. Uh, the other one we've been reporting this week and... and uh, other outlets have done as well, is uh, an interest in Oxford United defender Robert Atkinson. And, and I think this guy is is a, a real um, exciting name to, to look out for over the years ahead. He's a 22-year-old defender, really had a breakthrough season this year in League One. But if you look at his data and what, where, where his attributes are, what he does with the ball as a centre-back, and I think there are some comparisons here with Adam Webster, who obviously did brilliantly alongside Thomas Callas previously. And Atkinson is a, the sort of player who can run with a ball. I love his uh, range of passing. He can really fizz uh, balls into all the, the defenders, midfielders, um, from from angles that you probably wouldn't normally expect a centre-back to do that um, with. So he's very good on the ball, very good at winning duels. He's really stood out for um, Oxford United in the back end of this season. 
and um, he's another um, name to keep an eye on this summer. Okay, um, those are sort of the biggest rumours at the moment. I thought something quite interesting um, sort of came up in the last week or so about Fumara Gigi, because um, we, you know, we sort of thought he wanted to leave. That was the impression that was given when Mark Ashton said he was offered, you know, one of the best contracts ever at, at Bristol City. And um, he tweeted a sort of a farewell message, didn't he, last week, um, thanking the club and and saying really disappointed, not the season he wanted. And people were saying, you know, that like we didn't want you to go. And he responded to them, didn't he? Um, quite, I would say quite, directly um someone called nat tweeted him so mark ashton said you had the biggest contract ever are you saying this isn't true and from you responded with that's what he said the he in capital letters <laughs> he's made from is sort of making Amazing. out that he wanted to stay yeah I, I mean it makes me a little bit sad all this to be honest because obviously i mean what's apparent is that that he wanted to stay. I, I, I do completely accept that Famara did want to stay in, in BS3. That was our understanding. And he has said that all along, to be fair to him. Um, but it's uh, blatantly um, obvious that, that they couldn't come to any financial agreement, essentially. And yeah, there's no doubting that Bristol City offered him a contract and he just didn't want to accept that. It, so ultimately, it does come down to um, wages and financial compensation. And yeah, they haven't had an agreement. So coming out and discussing it all on social media, okay, it's it's good to get some replies for the fans, but neither the club nor the player will explain every single thing that's gone on mm. there and, and neither should they either. So it, it just makes me a little bit sad that it sort of comes down to recriminations from, from both sides in terms of you offered this or you, you said you did this, but you didn't do this, etc. No, it's et not good to see it played out in public. no. Absolutely. And ultimately, uh, my takeaway from it is, is just simply they couldn't agree terms, as in mm. they couldn't yeah, get a financial agreement. So even though FAM is doing maybe um, some good service here in terms of replying to fans, and I always think that is, is brilliant to see the interaction between players and, 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 and fans, uh, rather than just having a wall up and never never speaking and never acknowledging what what supporters are saying that mm. that is the good side of it but but I just think maybe Famara maybe shouldn't say too much here because it's obvious that he's not happy with what was offered to him financially and essentially he's leaving the club because it, um, as some people will say he wants more money elsewhere and, that, and you can't really disagree with that mm. yeah I think that's probably what it boils down to um another player leaving or has technically left but is still in Bristol for now while he decides where he's going is Jack Hunt um I think I um, drove past Jack Hunt's um, house quite a lot when I used to go up to Bristol City. And he he lived in Clapton in Gordano. Great article, um, Gregor Boy yourself, on the Bristol Live website. I think about five days ago now you put this up. But if people haven't seen this, um, how, how, did you, how did you get the story and how did it come about? Did you speak to Jack directly? Yeah, I spoke to Jack directly, and um, he's he, he's a good guy. Actually, he's. Mm. I have to be honest. When I spoke to Jack, he was actually a little bit unhappy with the with the way the season has sort of panned out. Obviously, Bristol City have not um, done well. He was. I, I don't think you would mind me saying. I sort of put it in the article. 
we had a, a bit of a disagreement over sort of player ratings in terms of he, he thought I'd been maybe a bit too harsh in rating him at times. And that's fair enough because it all comes down to various opinions. Um, so we discussed that. But chiefly, this was about um, obviously Jack Hunt being involved principally through his neighbours and then donating his Bristol City kit to help raise money for the Nathan Truzy Truman Challenge, which is which is a great cause. And, and if you if you don't know, if you haven't heard of Truzy, then he's a, the captain, I believe, down at Portishead Town Football Club. Right. He's look, looking to raise £50,000. Um, last I saw, they were around 40000 so they're not too far away. Hopefully, they're going to get there and, uh, and that money will go towards helping to support Nathan because, unfortunately... He, he was diagnosed as having a, a rare um, form of cancer earlier in the season and he's unable to work um, at the moment. So, yeah, terrific work from Jack and, and he's, he's helped to raise some great funds for that. And as I say, it came about from speaking to him and, and, and him also giving it a side that we don't always hear about from the players, sort of like their, their private lives away from the club, really. And he was saying about how he, he gets on so well with his neighbours down in mm. Clapton. Um, in, in Gordano is it in Gordano? That's yeah. right, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, and yeah it, it, he's always um, appreciated the help they've they've offered him. And um, those guys, I think it was Tom Russell, is the guy who's organising it, mm. and he's uh, dropping off the training gear to whoever buys it. Yeah, it's amazing. And um, yeah, Nathan Truman, uh, my husband, is his coach. So yeah, we we know him. Ah. Uh, we know him well. And yeah, when I saw that story, I thought it was great. And good luck to him with his with his fundraising. I think it's going pretty well at the moment. Great story from Jack Hunt as well. And yeah, said he's leaving uh, Bristol in July. So one of his, um, so his son can finish school. I think we forget that about footballers. They have lives as well, believe it or not. Um Hey, it's the playoff finals this weekend and then it really is the end of the season oh, tell you what how good were the playoff semi-finals I don't think any of them in any of the leagues disappointed you know the, the Newport Forest green one was incredible um, I was at a few of the games <laughs> I was at Sunderland v Lincoln on Sunday and the Sunderland fans were, were singing um, we're going to Wembley and they lost so that was that was pretty awful because they were having it all their own way and then Lincoln credit to them um, got over the line with that second half goal from Tom Hopper but obviously we want to look at the championship one because this is the league Bristol City have been trying to compete in all season we thought they might flirt with the playoffs it didn't happen apart from right at the start Brentford overcame Bournemouth and they're going to face Swansea who beat Barnsley uh, probably the final that quite a few predicted from from those two semi-finals wow um <laughs> Greg, or dare I ask you, who's going to win this? I, I'm going to put my neck out and sadly say, I because I, I'm gunning for Swansea, um, having went to university there for three years. I really like Brentford though, and I think Brentford might do it this time. They've failed so many times in the playoffs, but this could be their year. What do you think? I Yeah, I think that. I remember we discussed it a couple of weeks ago on who we thought would go through. <laughs> and Impossible. My, my, yeah, my my prediction was that whoever won out of Bournemouth and Brentford, Brentford would, it would be would them. Go on. Yeah, so I listen. Swansea have got a good side. I could see them pushing it, but yeah, absolutely. I, I do feel that it's Brentford's year, and they've had a magnificent season, as we discussed before. When you look at the whole campaign, so I think maybe they've just got a little bit more firepower than Swansea. Yeah, that's so good. But who knows? Who knows? You know, it's a one-off game. Obviously, anything can happen. 
yeah, one-off game, but they have Ivan Tony, and they have a team that we saw in the last game of the season can just tear teams apart with their passing. But that said, I, I think Swansea have become really resilient this season, a um, lot more mature than last season. Of course, these two met in the semis last year in the playoffs, so a repeat of last year's semi, which Brentford went on to win. Um, one sort of sad thing, though, surrounding it, Gregor, is um, the government are being accused of sneaking out this advice on Friday night. I knew nothing about this um, until this morning, where Hounslow um, in London has been added to the government's list of areas where the variant, uh, the Indian variant of COVID is spreading quickly. I stayed in Brentford on Sunday night, um, completely unaware of this. Now, Brentford is, is not in Hounslow, but it's sort of the next borough along. You've got Brentford, Isleworth and Hounslow, if you're not familiar with West London. Um, now, fans from Hounslow are being told not to go to the championship playoff final at Wembley. Now, this didn't happen on uh, at the weekend. There were 4,000 fans at Brentford Stadium. Now, I'm pretty sure some of those would have been from Hounslow because if you live in Hounslow, you might support Brentford. It's your nearest club, really. And now they're being told not to go to the playoff final. I mean, look, we, we've said we're not getting into politics this season. Fans in, fans out, whatever. But we'll come on to the amount of fans being let in in a second. But this is just all so confusing, isn't it? And the last thing, you know, we've we've waited so long, and these Brentford fans have too. Um, there's other there's other boroughs as well. Um, I think Ealing's got some problems too. But it's 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 just typical timing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I really feel for the fans because obviously we've we've suddenly seen. Uh, crowds returning to games. I, I went down to a game myself on Sunday, actually, Michelle. It was the celebrity soccer. Actually, oh, yeah, game. yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, actually got roped into doing some commentating while I was down there as well for the, for the live stream. But Brilliant. Anyway, and yeah, I saw Scotty Murray set up a, a great goal, the, the the winning goal, in fact. And yeah, he was um, strutting his stuff down the, down the wings as he used to do. Luce Carey was there at the back sweeping up for... Uh, <laughs> The team in Rolling red. Rolling back and the years. Then. Exactly, exactly. So um, they had Jets on the sidelines as well. He was managing the side as well. So great to see him back at Ashton Gate. But yeah, as you say, there, there, were, people, there were fans and supporters down at Ashton Gate then. And I was thinking it's great to see these guys back. Mm. So I really feel for the Brentford fans if, if this has come about and it's going to stop them um, attending yeah, the, the, the playoff final, especially when you consider that both Swansea and Brentford, I believe they've made an appeal, haven't they, to... Yep to try and get more supporters to the game. Well, yeah, tell, tell me why then. Tell, tell me why that the FA Cup are 20,000 fans. The Euros, which begin in just a couple of weeks, are going to have that many again. But the playoff final has not been designated as a test event, has been capped at 10,000. And each club only gets around 4,000 for general admission. That's not right, is it? No, it's not. You're right. It's, it's, it's just not right. And I, yeah, as I say, I feel desperately sad for those supporters and... It just can't all come back quick enough, can it? But obviously, at the same time, we've got to be careful and make sure that, yeah, the Indian variant doesn't become any worse and, <sighs> and that we're all safe and, and happy. Let's hope we're all getting down Ashton Gate for our jabs very soon. Um, Gregor, as always, great to speak. Final episode of the season then next week. Um, wherever you're listening to, hit subscribe. You won't miss an episode and we will catch you then. Thanks for listening. Robins at the Gate. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Always bet on red with Mansion Bet. 18 plus, be gambler Please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced by Little Monster Media.